Hey, Door Creek, how are we doing this morning? Good. Awesome. Hey, it looks like you guys, most of you have recovered from your turkey comas from over Thursday. There's a few of you I see that might have a little lasting effects. My sister and I, we decided to start a new tradition this Thanksgiving to do a 5K. My sister and I and her two children, ages eight and four. And we did the literal couch to 5K. No training. It was sitting on the couch 5K. I don't know if you can tell by this awesome specimen of fine physical fitness, but it, I don't work out all that much, which I should do more. Uh, but it was interesting. We had a new tradition. It was really great. We had a great time as a family. We got to meet a ton of new people and we got to raise money for something good. So that was my Thanksgiving. I hope your guys' Thanksgiving was just as good as well. Hey, last week, we celebrated baptisms here, like Mike said, at, at the worship service here when we were worshiping through music. But it was really cool to see over 30 people between two campuses get baptized. And here at our Sprecher campus, I was able to be part of that. We saw young and old. And there was different people from all over the map financially. And there was different people all over the map as in race as well. It is just a glimpse of what God is going to do in and amongst us, but also what heaven's going to be like one day, right? Every tribe, nation, and tongue coming together, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. So one of my favorite things this past weekend wasn't the actual baptisms themselves. It was hearing the testimonies of the people that got baptized, why they decided to stand up and profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And like many of the people that I heard their stories, my story is somewhat similar. And many of you may have the same stories here at Door Creek. Now, God grabs people from all over the map. But a lot of people's stories is they went to church when they were younger. They walked away from one reason or another. They decided to live life on their own terms. And then somehow, some way, God grabs them back, whether it's through a tragedy or just you notice something's missing in your life. Well, mine was that I started pursuing the good things in life, what we would call good things. And I eventually found out that that wasn't what fulfilled me. Why? God did not create me for that. Last week, Mark was speaking through Luke 6. And as we've been going through as a church, we've been going through the book of Luke, the gospel for all people. And last week, Jesus was laying the smack down on the Pharisees, the religious elite people that were trying to get people to get with God's program. And a lot of things that the Pharisees were doing, they were trying to get people not to sin. They were making all these rules up, right? What they were doing was taking God's word and trying to keep people from sinning. So what they were doing is building fences, Mark said last week. They were building fences to protect people from falling into sin. But eventually, the Pharisees couldn't distinguish between sin and the fences. So, what happened was they started making fences further out to protect people from the fences they put up to protect people from the sin. They couldn't distinguish what was God's law and what was there for protection. And many times that's what we've done in the church as well. We've put up fences. So when Jesus comes on the scene, he's trying to get people to a right understanding of the law. And he wails against the religious elite, right? You brood of vipers at one point in the Bible, he says this to them. And then he goes ahead last week and he, in the story or in the book here, it says that he picked his disciples. 
Now, his disciples were a ragtag bunch. They were not the creme de la creme. And just like me, I was not the great person when God picked me to be on his team. By the way, my name is Darren. I am honored to be the middle school pastor here at Door Creek. Maybe you've seen me around here before. I have been at Door Creek for quite some time. I've actually been on the worship arts department and other things. But as of this past year, I've actually become the middle school pastor here. And it's been a great honor working with our middle school students. So if you see a little bit of middle school humor here, just disregard it. It's because it's I'm used to speaking to middle schoolers. So like I said, God picked, or Jesus picked his disciples, and they were a ragtag bunch. So one guy, he was a zealot. Which actually, what that is, he wanted to overthrow the Roman government. Another guy was a scammer, Matthew, the tax collector. What he was doing was skimming off the top of the taxes he was collecting for Rome. So he was getting rich off of the people of Israel, his own people. Another guy he picked would eventually betray him. Another guy, not denied him once, not twice, but three times, by a, to a little girl, no less. Another guy, he doubted him so much when Jesus rose again, he's like, I won't believe it unless I touch the holes in your hand. And then there comes two guys, two brothers, which he nicknames the Sons of Thunder, and we'll look at that in chapter 9, why? But it wasn't because they had gas problems, it was because they had anger issues. In chapter 9 of Luke, they come to the Samaritan town, and James and John, they say, Jesus, this town is rejecting you and rejecting your ministry. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. So we see that all these guys, and probably you and me, we have an idea of what Jesus and what God should be like, Right? I have this idea. When I came to Jesus, I had an idea of who God should be. And Jesus here is starting to teach of his idea of who he is. Maybe you had an idea of who I am when I came up here. Maybe people have an idea of you when you first meet them. We all have presuppositions. We all have things that we think should happen. And this is what Jesus is going to teach this week of who or what his kingdom is about. So I want to give you a little background of what's going on. We'll just kind of recap what happened last week to get us set up for this week. So we're going to be, this week we're going to be in chapter 6. And we're going to be starting in verse 20. So if you take out your Bibles while we get there, I'm going to just going to give you a little recap. So Jesus now just laid the smack down on the Pharisees, picked his 12 disciples, and he's starting to gain a following. Why? Because awesome things are happening. It says in the Bible here that people were coming from all over the place. A large crowd of disciples were there. So there was a great crowd of followers that claimed to be followers of him. And then also there was a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem, from all over the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him in healing them all. Awesome stuff's happening, right? I mean, you would say that the ministry is success. And I'm sure all these people had an idea of who Jesus was and what his kingdom would look like. 
people come to Jesus thinking, who, we, who are you? Well, you should be like I think you should be. And if I'm going to be honest with you, when I finally came to Jesus and really saw who he was, I had an idea who he was supposed to be in my life too or who Jesus was supposed to be, what he was supposed to do. So we pick the story up in verse 20 and Jesus starts to teach about what his kingdom is really going to look like. He says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. If I'm his follower, I'd be like, uh, what? I thought things were supposed to get better. Jesus comes here and he, he flips the paradigm. Because in our day, much like Jesus' day, we feel blessed when we have food, good food to eat, when people think well of us. We, we feel good and feel blessed when we are laughing and happy, right? You see it on Facebook. You see it on Twitter. I'm so blessed because fill in the blank, and it's never, I'm so blessed because I'm broke, right? I mean, really, I, I, I have yet to see that post because we have this idea of what blessing is. We come to the Bible of what we feel being blessed is. And that's not what Jesus says here. Now, some of you may be thinking, hey, I'm sitting pretty good. I, I'm dirt broke. Uh, I eat ramen for every meal. I cry a heck of a lot. All I got to do is get people to hate me. I'm good. You know, I, <laughs> but in reality, we're probably all somewhere on this map, right? Some of us are having financial trouble, but we still eat well. So that may be the literal thing here, maybe not apply? Or how does, how does that work in? And we see, actually, I think the key here is actually at the end of verse 23 and at the end of verse 26, between the real prophets and the false prophets. So the false prophets in the Old Testament, when Israel was mixing in gods from other nations— and God was calling them back to him to worship him alone. The false prophets were saying, no, 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 you're good, you're good. You're being blessed. Things are going well. You, it's all good. But as the prophets kept coming, the real prophets, they're like, turn back to God. Turn back to God. That's why the apostle Paul, if you, you really look at the apostle Paul's life, he had good things happen to him, but he also got thrown into jail a lot for Jesus. He got beaten up. 
People hated him, but also people did love him too because he was bringing the good news. So we see that when we pursue Jesus, some of these things happen. And really, the poor, the hungry, people who weep now, they can't hope on that false hope. They, they have nothing but Jesus, right? I mean, I've been most of these places at one point in my life. And I will admit it was very hard, but I've never felt so close to God at that point because all I had was him to lean on. So maybe that's what he's speaking of here. So John Anderson, the other good-looking bald guy on staff here, he, he had this observation about the text, about a lot of Jesus' teachings, which I found really interesting. Jesus just doesn't lay down a, a command or an idea and never and just leaves it at that. He always gives us real-world examples of what that will look like fleshed out. And this section is no other. See, this section here isn't just a bunch of different sayings together. This is a condensed version of Jesus' sermon, what he's preaching to his followers and anyone who would listen. So we find here that Jesus just goes, lays, lays it out, what it looks like to be a follower, and then he gives you examples of what it looks like to be a follower. So we'll pick the story back up in verse 27 here. He says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So he... He says here, love your enemies. That's a tough one. That's what it looks like to be blessed, though, is love your enemies. To be a kingdom citizen. This whole thing is about being kingdom, God's kingdom citizen. Followers of Jesus. Christians. And what Christians is, is a term that came about that just meant little Christ. People were trying to reflect who their leader was. So if we're trying to reflect who our leader was, this is what it looks like. And why do I say that? It's because of this. In Romans 5, 8, 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If we are to reflect our king, he sacrificially loved his enemies. In our age today, that's not what the kingdom of man says, right? The kingdom of man says, if you're wronged, cry out. Your, anything you do in response to your wronging is justified because you were wronged first. And no place does that play out more than the internet. Partly is because we are slightly anonymous on the internet. We don't feel that connection. I mean, a lot of things people say on the internet, they would never say face to face. One of the things that I saw when I was trying to look for an example of this was, I don't know if you remember a few weeks back when the Packers beat the Bears. And I don't mean just beat the Bears. I mean, they beat the Bears, right? And the Bears have been having a rough season. To be honest with you, the Bears, on paper, they look like an awesome team. They have great receivers. They have a good defense. They picked up Jared Allen from the, from the Vikings. He's supposed to solidify that defense. They were supposed to be on the top end of the conference, but they're not. So something went wrong there. Things did not go as how people expected. People felt wronged. Because if you're a fanatic sports fan, you get invested in your teams, right? So when things don't go like they should, the kingdom of man says, lash out. So if you were on Twitter, you may have seen this topic trending. Fire Trestman. And Mark Trestman is the coach for the Chicago Bears. So people were calling for his job. And Mark Trestman's daughters were also on Twitter. So it was shortly after the Packers game, one of the Chicago papers ran this story of how hateful some people are. And what was happening was, in this hashtag fire Trestman, people were starting to vent their anger, venting, and it got out of hand fast. But these people felt justified because, hey, I was wronged first. My team was supposed to be better. So the people started lashing out, not just at Mark Trestman. They started lashing out at his daughters, which in reality, why? Really, they have nothing to do with this, but they did. So here's some examples of what they said. Now, I can't say the majority of them and keep my job. But I will show you, tell you a few of them that I can hopefully say, which are not good in any, may, any, any way. So one of the first ones is, which I'm not even sure how this applies to anything. Your dad is part of ISIS. I, it, it's slightly funny, but the person was so angry that they equated Mark Tressman with a, a person of ISIS, a terrorist. Another one was, tell your dad to just collapse and drop dead. Then, the last one that I can say to you, which is horrible, which has total misplaced anger, don't let me catch you walking alone. Like she had anything to do with it. But so many times, our anger, it just spews out, right? And in the world of man, it says, that's okay. You were wronged first. Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. No. <laughs> um, 
I won't sing it. <laughs> Just let it go. Let it, it's okay. <laughs> so that's great. That's, that's the sinners. Did you notice in the section, the part where we were still sinners in Romans, that God died for us, and then Jesus in this section m- mentions sinners multiple times. Even sinners do that. Even sinners do that. So if you are a Christian, you were once a sinner. You and I. We were both once sinners. So we can look down on those people that said these horrible things on Twitter and go, I can't believe they did that. But aren't we kind of the same? Maybe not to that extent. How are you on the belt line when someone cuts you off? Is your first reaction to say, Lord, forgive them? Or, you know, I mean, that, that's sometimes mine. And actually, so I preached this sermon last night, okay? And I said the exact same things. And after service, I was going to meet my parents for dinner. And I'm running late because I kind of got caught here talking to other people. And I'm trying to hurry up and meet them because I don't want them waiting for me. And there's this one person that seems lost as all get out. And my initial reaction was, get out of my way! I should have said, Lord, please help them to get to where they need to go. But that was not my initial reaction, right? I mean... But then the Lord convicted me right away. He's like, hey, dude, didn't you just preach that? <laughs> Love your enemy. So we fall short all the time, but we have the Holy Spirit to convict us, if you're a Christian, right, of when we fall short. But this is a convicting thing for Christians. Jesus is talking to his followers here. It's almost a gut check. How are you doing? Are you loving your enemies? Or is your anger spilling over? You angry? I don't know where you're at today. We're all over the map here. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I died for you. So you can be me to them. I forgave you. You can forgive them. Then he continues to give us this gut check. In verse 37, he says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take this speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Notice at the end of this section, he doesn't say to don't ever say anything. But at the beginning, he says, do not judge. 
And if we're honest, this is probably the most quoted verse in the Bible, whether people know it or not. Don't judge me, right? I've said it. Don't judge me. It is the mantra of our age. Don't judge me. But if you're a Christian, you can still call balls and strikes. It's just that we don't condemn. And how do we love through that? Loving your enemies. How do we love them and not condemn them? Or people. I mean, how can we be, faith- how can we be faithful in the large things when we keep letting our anger go in the small things, right? So judging, what does that mean? I mean, do we just let anybody do what they want to do? Well, that's not totally true, but it is to some extent. I mean, when we look at the things happening in our age, do we initially go after like, I cannot believe they're doing that. That is so unbelievable. That is judging and condemning, right? But maybe we try some empathy. Maybe we try, hey, I've, I don't know why you're doing those things, but I see there's hurt. I see there's anger. I will pray for you. I will pray for God to intervene. And, and as we pray, maybe we pray, God, help me to understand why this is happening, why these people feel this way. Help me to understand, and if there's a way to me to, for me to be a solution, to be the solution, In John 12, 47, Jesus says this about judging. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So if we are to be kingdom citizens, Christ followers, we should be acting like Jesus, showing Jesus to the world. How do we come alongside people who are hurting and angry and help them see the goodness of the gospel. Some people won't want to hear it, but we still have to say it. One of the things that I want to show you is judging is a story in my life. So I told you a little bit that I went to church early, I walked away, and I pursued the things that the kingdom of man says is good, which they aren't bad things in themselves. Happiness, financial security, being well-fed. I mean, pursuing those things in and of themselves is not bad, right? But when we pursue them above what Jesus has on our life call, we've now made good things God things, So in my life, I want to give you an example that hopefully will encourage you. I walked away from the church after high school, because I was in high school, but when I started walking away from the church, our church that I grew up in got a new youth pastor, and he was, he was going to, I don't want to say save this church, but he was going to call people to repentance. He was almost like a prophet, because a lot of people in our church were doing the, I go to church on Saturday or Sunday, and then Monday through Friday, I live however I want. They were a lot of churchgoers, and I was one of them. My parents, they were youth leaders, and when Barry came into our church, he pretty much 
I don't want to say made a divide, but he pretty much said, listen, this is what Christ's call is on your life. And you had one or two responses. You could either say, I don't want to hear it. Or, you know what? As you read the Bible to to me and explain it, I understand what Christ has for me. That it's to come under his lordship. My response was, I don't want to hear it. And at one point, I told my mother, if he ever comes near me, I'll tell him where to go. That's how anti, under God's law, I was. I did not want to be under the rule and reign of Jesus. So fast forward 12 years, I've been pursuing happiness, pleasure, financial security, all these things that in and of themselves are good, but I was making them my end all. My life now, after pursuing these things, God in his providence, in his mercy, was showing me that these things were not what he wanted for me. So I, my life was crumbling, okay? The, the job that I had pursued that I thought was the dream job was actually horrible. I was not performing well in that job. The people were, they were not happy with my performance and as much as I tried, I could not do good enough. The financial security that I was chasing, I, I had gotten a lot of myself in a lot of debt because I was like, well, I'll just keep making more money. And there was other things that were happening in my life. So I'm, I'm now going, what happened? These things that I was pursuing are not saving me. My mom was seeing my life crumble before her eyes. And she was talking to the youth pastor's wife. And now he was now another pastor. He had taken a senior position in another church many years later. And they were talking via phone with his wife. And she says, my mom said to this lady, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help him. I'm at a loss. And his wife said, you know what? Barry will meet with him. We've went through similar things. And my mom said over the phone, you understand it's Darren, right? You remember what he said? <laughs> and she says, yeah, I know. Just offer it. So God, again, in his mercy, had brought me to a place where I was at, I, I just didn't know what to do, and I was going to take advice from anywhere, even a pastor. So when my mom said to me, hey, Barry would meet with you if you'd like, I said, I have nothing else to, else to lose. I will do it. So 12 years after me going, I'll tell him where to go, I'm in his office crying, going, just tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. It was a hard time in my life. But by God's grace, Barry spoke the gospel to me and how it is better to be under the lordship of Jesus, even in the tough times, even in the hungry, even in the want, even in being hated. And that changed my life. I started to read the Bible and I'll admit, when I started reading the Bible, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not me. And I would have said I was a Christian if anyone would have asked me, even though I hadn't been to church probably in a year or two. But I realized that I was not a Christian. I was not a Christ follower. I was a Darren follower. I'm a horrible God. Really. I, I mean, you and me, I hate, I mean, no matter how good you are, you're not a very good God. You, you do not create, uh, you did not create the world. You do not know how it goes. 
You can't encounter Jesus and claim to be no different. And that leads us into the next section where he he says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Have you ever heard this one? I've said it. You really, yeah, I did this bad thing, but that's not really who I am. It is actually. Granted, we still sin. I'm not saying that if you're a Christian that you have it all together. But by God's grace, we keep coming back to him and going under his lordship, going, Lord, I screwed up again. Create in me a clean heart. Work in me to not be this way. And little by little, God will change you and me. It's a fancy church word called progressive sanctification. One of the best things about this past weekend was the testimonies. And one of the people who gave their testimony, they, they got invited to Door Creek by someone else. They came here and they encountered Jesus. Jesus somehow, some way through the message, the worship, came and met them here. And he went back to his coworkers afterwards and he said, hey, I went to this church. It was awesome. And they looked at him and his, his, this is his words. I can't remember exactly. It was something either to the fact of, did the place burst into flames or did you burst into flames? I can't remember. But it was something to that effect. Saying, you in a church? That's what they were saying. But Christ started to change him. The fruit He is now a different person years later or time later. I'm not sure exactly how long. Good fruit will eventually come if you root yourself in Jesus Christ and continue to put yourself under his lordship. He finishes up this sermon by saying this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment that torrent struck the house, it collapsed and destruction was complete. I didn't quite get this part until I started reading one of the commentaries. In Israel, in the Middle East, a lot of the land is clay. At least that's what the commentary said. I've never been there. But during the long, hot, dry drought season, the clay hardens, and it gets hard, like hard, hard. And it seems like a great, great foundation. And if you build on that hard clay, when the rainy season comes, that clay turns to liquid and everything there just gone, right? And then he likens that to building, digging down to the foundation, to the rock. And when you and I build on riches 
being well-fed, being well-liked, happiness, if that's our end-all building, it seems great at the start. And you may even get through this whole life being a great foundation. But at the end, God will come. And then that day, the, the flood will come. But if you're building on clay now, I pray God in his mercy brings the flood, the trials of this life early so he can show you that it is not a good foundation. That we need to dig down deep and go to Jesus. We actually have a modern day example of this. Right here. So in 2008, if you were around Wisconsin, you knew we got a ton of rain that year, that summer, that June. And Lake Delton, this is in Wisconsin Dells, Lake Delton, man-made lake by a dam, was filling up, and it's filling up and filling up and filling up. And the dam could not keep up. Further away from the dam, there is a 400-yard, 400 yards, that's a lot of land. But as the water crept up over Lake Delton, started flowing across that 400 yards. And then it started flowing down into the Wisconsin River. And the water, slow but surely, started eroding away that solid ground. And then, eventually, that happened. It seemed like a solid foundation. And the really bummer of it all is, a year or two late earlier, FEMA came in, and said, listen, the high water mark for this area is such and such a, a mark. And the town of Lake Delton said, the water will never get that high. And because of that, they threw out FEMA's assessment, and no one who built on that land could get flood insurance. So when the floods did come, they lost everything. Here's a quote from one of the people. It says, basically, we have nothing. For us, it was a second home, and it's now our permanent home. We still have a 23-year mortgage, and we have no property, and we have no possessions. When that flood comes, and it will, either now in this life or when we go to meet Jesus, what are you building on? This is a gut check for Christians. This is a gut check for everybody, to be honest with you. Because what are we building on? Now, I don't want you to leave here going, wow, I just, it seems like I just went 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. No, or, or whoever, a great boxer that you know of. I'm a little, that shows my age right there. <laughs> um, I want you to feel encouraged. Because Jesus, or God sent the prophets of the Old Testament to the people of Israel, calling them to turn back. And he says, I won't send the hard times if you come back to me. This is good news. Don't treat it as bad news. One of the greatest things I think that I love, or I love about Door Creek is our tagline. Changing, joining God and changing lives to devoted followers of Jesus Christ to be changing the world with his love, actually. That's how it ends. How are we doing? 
It's just a checkup. A doctor, you visit the doctor for a checkup. This is a checkup for us as a church. How are we doing? Because God is faithful if we turn back and go, you know what? I haven't been loving my neighbor as well as I could be. I haven't been loving the poor as I could be. I haven't been loving the homeless or maybe even someone in my family that I've judged and condemned as the weird one in our family. Let's pray for them. Let's love them. Lord willing, next time we celebrate baptisms, we can see this was a day that us, we all here went out and proclaimed the light of Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it the worst or the most. Let us be little Christ to those who need it. I'm challenged by that. I hope this is not just a challenge, but an encouragement. Let us be Jesus to the world. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to not only just dig into your word and learn from what you have said here, but also to speak what you're laying on my heart. So I pray that people leave here encouraged to be Christ to the world, to their part of the world, to the least of these. Help us to love well, to not judge and condemn. Help us to be different than what the world says. Help us to be kingdom citizens. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.